Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Hey, welcome. If you're a guest here today, I want to say welcome to uh, Pacific Point Church. Uh, but also let me say something. We are in us if you're a guest. If you're not a guest, you've been here, you know we're in a series called Uncomfortable. So uh, today is going to be very uncomfortable. Okay? So, um, no, that if you're a guest, it's usually not this uncomfortable, but we're going through this series. Here's why. So let me set it up for you guys that are visiting today, is that um, as Christians, well, let me just go to my, my slide. It's this. An uncomfortable Christianity means that we live a life that's transformed, that's different than other lives. An uncomfortable life means that we rely on God, not on ourselves, that we serve rather than be served. Living that uncomfortable Christian life means that we do the hard things, that we, we live in the hard places and, and, and we embrace the hard truths. And here's the one I know you'll love. We do life with the hard people. And remember what I said, I, uh, look to your left, look to your right. If you don't see a hard person, you're the hard person. So just know that, um, that but, but being uncomfortable in our Christianity, because here's what we know about Christians, I'm painting with a broad brush right now in church, is we get real comfortable, and because we get real comfortable, we look no different than what the world looks like. They go, this Jesus that you talk about, this church that you talk about, you guys are all a bunch of hypocrites. You're all a bunch of soft, non-loving, non-caring people. And I don't want to be that. I want to be uncomfortable in my Christianity because here's what's happened. When I, I get to that place of being uncomfortable, in other words, serving rather than being served, living in the hard places, doing what's right, God's grace is right there to take me where I need to be. God is sufficient. All right. We've been in the series and we've talked about God in a box without food, that was our fasting time. Last week we talked about anger. If you have anger issues and you missed last week, you can go to the, the website and you can listen to the podcast. This week is, is a big one. It's lust. Get ready. Buggle up. <laughs> now, uh, let, me, let me give you a couple keys here. Lust. It will always take you further than you want to go. It will always keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will always cost you more than you're willing to pay. Remember that. If you hear nothing else that I say today, which most of you, most of you are going, yeah, I will, you know. If you hear nothing else, remember this. Let's replace lust with sin. Sin will always take you further than you want to go. It will always keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And it will always cost you more than you wanted to pay. Remember that. And it is absolutely true with this thing called lust. Now, I'm talking about lust today in the context of this scripture this scripture is out of Matthew 5, and Jesus deals directly with, with the sight of lust. Let me say and preface it by saying this. 
Um, and, and I'm mostly hitting men today. Uh, but it, it, but lust is not a, a, a male thing. It is a male-female. It is a neutral thing. It is a heart issue. Now, uh, uh, my wife and what she may lust after may be looking a little different than what I lust after. Houses, haircuts, <laughs> places to live, other women. I, I don't, you know, men, we're just... We're, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, isn't that the thing or something? We're just different. But the heart is the same. This is what it says in Matthew 5, 27. You have heard that it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with, uh, with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better to you to lose the one of the members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. Let me pray. Father, I, just, I pray that you would speak this morning. God, move me aside, Holy Spirit, that you would speak. Lord, that you would uh, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Um, God, I thank you for your son who loved us so much that he died on the cross for us. Lord, let my words be clear, and uh, Lord, I pray that you would bless us this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Thank you, Eddie. <laughs> I forgot to say amen. You got me covered here. <laughs> um, <laughs> l- let me say this to start off. I, I mean, this has been, uh, uh, I've changed this thing probably 15 times. So uh, bear with me if it's a little disjointed this morning. Um, hopefully it's not. I'm believing that God can, but it has been a, a wrestling because it's not an it's not an easy subject. It's just it's just not. There's no way around around it. So it is it is uncomfortable. So here we go. Jesus says that adultery is not only a thing to avoid. In other words, he says sleeping with someone else's wife or sleeping with someone who's not your husband or wife is not the only thing to avoid. There's this extreme behavior. There's this behavior that he says that deals with the internal. It's your thought and it's your eyes. And Jesus has this moral equivalent that he lays out. Doesn't sound fair, in fact. I don't like it, but he goes very clearly. Jesus steps the game up and says, look, doing it and looking and thinking it are both sin. Oh, it's quiet already. All right. You wrestle with that. Now, let me say very clearly, consequences can be different. But ultimately, consequences turn to be the same. And let me show you what I mean. I'll show you in a few minutes. Sin begins, and here's what we have to understand. Sin, all sin, lust, begins in the heart. It says this in Mark 7. Out of a person's heart, the evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, evil, slandering, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside and defile a person's heart. Here's the problem, though. When we talk about the heart, rarely does someone believe that their heart is bad. Everybody says, oh, I'm a good person. Did anybody, you ever hear that one? You know, oh, I'm a good person. But I'm telling you, if you rip back your heart, if you, if you tear back that which guards you if, you, if you go deep into your thought process of what's going on in your heart, do you want to flash it on the screen? Any volunteers? If you just dig deep down there, and here's the truth. If you don't know why and how your heart works, 
you will not effectively be able to wage war against the flesh. If you don't believe that your heart is deceitful unto its end apart from Jesus, apart from the blood of Jesus, apart from this word, if you don't believe that and you're just a good person, you will not conquer and win the battle in your flesh. In any realm, not just lust, but in anything that you do. Sin begins in the heart, and I pulled up, there's, there's a million scriptures, and I just pulled up a few that speak to the, 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 the heart and where everything starts, and it says this in Matthew 12, you brood of vipers, he's talking to the religious people right here, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Out of everything that's in your soul and your heart comes forth out of your mouth. It says this in Proverbs 4, keep your heart with all diligence, from, from, for from it flows the spring of life. Life comes out of what's in your heart. Psalm 14. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. Two more here. Proverbs 21. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs his what? Really? You guys are lame. The Lord weighs his what? God weighs his heart. God weighs his heart. In, in my mind, in my eyes, I think something is right. But God goes, no, let me go deep into your heart and see what's, we'll see what's really right. Luke, I'll finish with this. The good person out of the good treasures of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasures produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. This is a tough one. What comes out regularly says what's in here i got to wrestle with it because there are words that come out of my mouth that are less than stellar. Don't start. Because people who live in glass houses should never throw stones. Let's just say that. It says something about my heart. It says something about our heart. Sin begins in the heart. Epithumia is the Greek word. I know it's a big word. Is that, you like that? Okay, thank you. <laughs> she's called me an idiot right there. I don't know if you guys know that, but she's impressed that I could say a Greek word. And when you really speak it in Greek, that's epithumia is not the correct pronunciation. But it, it's the word that means desire. It literally means a, 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 an aggressive wanting. It's, it's I, I, I want to have it. It's this epithumia. Now, the interesting thing is, when you look at this scripture and you see that word, there's this good side that is the word is used in, and then there's this side that's not so good. In the scripture that we see in Matthew, it says, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, epithumia, the word there, desire, has already committed adultery with her in her heart. But then there's this other passage in 1 Timothy 3, 1, says, here, the trustworthy, here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires that epithumia, same word, a noble task. There's this godly desiring and this, and, and this word of, of going after and, and possessing, and then there's this ungodly side. And, and we look in this scripture in Matthew, and Jesus very clearly is speaking of that heart issue that we have with our eyes when we see, and we lust. And we lust. So what is lust? Lust is the desire is, is to desire something that we believe to be good outside of what God has called good. You know what it's saying? When we lust, we become God. They hear me when I say that. I go, oh, we become God. We think we're God. Because when we lust, 
We can blanket this with sin, but we're talking this right now, lust. When we lust, we're saying, I know what is better for me than you do, God. We believe it to be good what we're going after, what we want, outside of what God has called good. Look, the standard of good comes here in this word. The standard of good comes from what this word says. But when we step outside of the Bible, we say, that looks good. And we say, in, in essence, we're saying, I know better than God. I know what's good for me. That's sin. That's what he's saying. What is lust? It is to put your own will and pleasure above God's and call it good. How many things have you tagged good onto? Let me look at some. What are we calling good? Okay, it's getting ready to get uncomfortable. What are we calling good? I'm, let's talk in, in, in big terms. You, can, you can't really see that very well. Can you see that very well? I'm sorry. What, do you call, what are we calling good as a society? Okay, remember, we don't come out and go, oh, porn is good. I don't think anybody does that, right? Okay, good. That's good. But by our actions, we're saying it's good. Here's what we see. Porn sites receive more regular traffic than Netflix, Amazon, Twitter combined each month. 35% of all internet downloads are porn-related. There are around 42 million porn websites, which total around 370 million pages of porn. In the U.S., we have 320, 30-some million people. There's more pages of pornography than there are people in the United States. The porn industry's uh, annual revenue is more than the NFL, the NBA, and um, Major League Baseball combined. I'm thankful that they didn't put NHL in there, so maybe that's a godly sport. Is also uh, more, it, gosh, it is also more than the combined revenues of ABC, CBS, NBC. Pornography will increase marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. 300%. 11 is the av- this is the one. 11 is the average age that a child is first exposed to porn, and 94% of children will see porn by the age of 14. of American divorces involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornography websites. 56%. This is what we call good. That's what we say. Look, if, if we take the definition of what the Bible says, it is to put our own will and pleasure above God's and call it good. And then this is what it says we are doing. What are we calling good? We're calling good these things, creating emotional bonds with an artificial world. Look, we're getting to a point with with lust and the separation of of relationship. What we're saying is it, it creates an emotional bond with an artificial world. It's not real. It is not real. It's artificial. Sex without intimacy when we have this lust in our heart, when we, when uh, men, and, and let me say men and women, because, and I didn't, I should have got the stat, but it's, there's not a huge difference in men and women in pornography and lust. Um, sex without intimacy. We're, we're, we're growing young men and women to teach them that intimacy is, is looking at something. It's not this, this holding hand. It's not this touching. It's not this walk. We're losing that intimacy with our kids because they're on their phones because they're looking at things and they don't know how to 
do this with one another. Is anybody uncomfortable yet? It's unsatisfying. It's unsatisfying. Triggers, addiction, cycles in the brain. Can't break out of it. Can't break out of it. It's unfulfilling. Imitation of the real thing. It's not real. It always leaves you hungry. It's kind of like Chinese food, I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? You eat a little Chinese food. I'm like, I'm always hungry. It's, it, uh, it's, it's not satisfying. I had, to get it, I had to lighten it up a little bit. You guys are all so dang serious out there. And then it escalates. It's never enough. It's what's next. It's what's next. Here's the problem. We believe the lie. We believe the lie. Here's the deal. Notice here, when we're tempted, we're carried away and enticed by our own lust. When we're tempted, we're carried away and we're enticed. We are drawn and lured after our own lusts. We are enticed by unbiblical, ungodly appraisals of stuff being good. We're enticed by this. This has got to be good. This, she has got to be good. He has got to be good. We're enticed by this thought that that is going to bring happiness. That is going to make me happy. That is going to make me satisfied. That has got to be good. And there's only one good, and it's Jesus. There's only one good that satisfies. There's only one good that doesn't, doesn't leave me hanging and wanting more. And it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's a relationship with him. But if you don't believe your hearts are wicked, you're lying to yourself. You're lying to yourself. There, there's no one in here, if they take a true inventory and open up their heart and look deep at the depths, could look someone in the eye, look me in the eye and tell me that apart from Christ, apart from Jesus, apart from God's grace, that you're not wicked. Look, just turn on the news. Turn on the news. You want to talk about wicked? I just read an article today that, that, that in, in uh, I think it was, I don't, I don't remember the state. I, I can't remember exactly. But they, they let a man out of jail that was a serial pedophile. And they said because he has transitioned to a female, he's no longer guilty as a male. And they let him out of jail. Tell me the heart of man is not wicked apart from God. It's one of these fun messages. All right. <laughs> so what's the cost? What's the cost of calling lust good? And the desire when it has been conceived bursts to sin. And sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. James 1.15. Jesus says this. How serious is this? What does a fully grown seed, what does fully grown lust look like? Jesus says death. Jesus says death. How serious is this? Uh, uh, there's, there's two forms of death that Jesus is talking about. It's a marital relational death, or he's talking about a spiritual death. One of the two is true, or both can be true. 
And, and what he means by this, a marital relational death is this. When you engage in lust, when you can't control your thoughts, when you walk outside of what God calls good in marriage or any relationship, when you walk outside of the boundaries of what God calls good, there's death that comes forth. And I can tell you relationship after relationship after marriage after counseling that we've done and heard and seen the stories where it has absolutely destroyed the relationship. Death. And Jesus says also there's this thing called spiritual death where he says, depart from me, I never knew you. That if you don't have a relationship with Christ Jesus, if you don't believe that he went to the cross and died for your sins, if you haven't used and, 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 and listened and received him as your Lord and Savior and allowed the blood of Jesus to cover your sins and pay the price for your sins, then there's separation, which is death. Marital relationships and spiritual death. Okay, here I go. When I have fallen, when I have fallen, it emasculates me. Some of you may not come back because your, your pastor has fallen. That's fine. But I, let's just let's be real for a moment, okay? I'm very, very uncomfortable right now. When I have fallen, it takes out my legs as a man. I can't look this woman in the eye and lead the way God has called me to lead her or my family. See, there's a death that takes place. And, and we're calling it good. And we're saying, that's all right, you little pet sin. And, and we have these emasculated men walking around that don't know how to lead because there's so much guilt and shame and stuff that is related to this. And marriages start to disintegrate. When I've fallen, I lose the authority that I have with my children. I can't be dad because it just, I get, I, I, you get beat up and you, you can't just, you can't bring truth and authority because you, it just, you want to go into a hole and just, that's what sin does. Now here's the beauty. I have Jesus and I have a godly wife, a godly wife that forgives encourages, but I have this, this Jesus that, that, that went to the cross and died for me some 2,000 years ago so that when I'm a complete idiot and when I replace his good with what I think is good and I fall on my knees and on my face and I go, oh God, have mercy, he gives me mercy. And I fall on my face and I, I pray and I ask forgiveness and, and God forgives and, and, and he restores, and, and he, 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 he takes me from this place of guilt and condemnation and beaten up, and he, he restores the man that I am, and he can do the same for you, this Jesus. 
and I can walk back in a room, and I can walk in my house with authority in Christ Jesus, and I can walk as the husband that God has called me to be, and I can walk as the father that God's called me to be, and I can come back here on a Sunday and preach the gospel because I'm forgiven. Now, don't take that like the bumper sticker because I hate it. We're not perfect. We're forgiven. That's crap in the way that it's read off the bumper sticker. I'm talking about intimacy with Jesus. I'm talking about forgiveness. Oh, it's so good. This is not the only, I mean, I got to deal with this, my anger. I got to deal this with, I got to deal with all, we deal with this all areas of our life. But God's grace is so good and we're forgiven. We're forgiven. It's so good. It's so good. His blood is sufficient to wash away my sins that I can stand before him with my shoulders up high and my head up knowing that God is my redeemer through his son Jesus. Doesn't get any better than that. And we have a whole world walking around just beaten up, defeated, defeated. God says, no, that's not who I've called you to be. I've called you to be young men that are strong in who I am. I've called you to be young women who, as you wait for the man that I have given you, that, that I will give you that perfect mate that you can marry and be good and all those things. So now what? I, I love this. After, uh, gosh, time. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. The tempter came. Jesus was hungry. The tempter came. Look, look. Uh, you have to see this principle real quick. It, it says this in, in 1 John 2, 16. For all, uh, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, it is not from the Father, but it is from the world. It's the, the, the flesh, the eyes, the, the desire. So Jesus is being tempted. Forty days he's in, the, in, in no food or water, and the enemy comes and tempts him. And, and they tempt him first with food, the desires of the flesh. And then, then he says, bow down to me and worship me. And he tempts him. He says, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you everything that you have, the desires of the eyes. And then he goes in and, and, and the pride of life. He says, I will command the angels to come down and rescue if you throw yourself. You remember the story. Three times, Jesus is, but, but you got to get this right here. Here's what happens. Everything that the enemy came and tempted the devil, tempted Jesus with, was already his. See, the enemy comes and brings lies and he tempts you with something that's already yours. It's just not in the right time. Look, everything that the enemy tempted Jesus with, all the kingdoms of the world, he owned. Food, he created. Health, he created. He owned it all. And this thing called lust that we think that, that this 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 thing on a television or a, a, a computer or whatever, walking down the street, this thing, this, it, it, it's already yours when you wait on the Lord for the one that God gives you. And there's this thing called intimacy and sex that's unbelievable within the context of this thing called marriage. And single people, men and women, it... it when, when you're looking for it out there, God's going, I got someone for you. I got someone. Just wait. Just wait. I've got the right woman who's perfect for you. I got the right man who's perfect for you. And just, you don't, have, I've got it for you. It's already yours. That enjoyment of sex and, and, and togetherness is already yours. Just wait on me. Just wait on me. And Jesus knew that everything he was being offered was already his. And he could just go, nope, nope, I already got it. I already own it. I don't need it right now. 
I'm going to wait on the Father. See, lust is an ear and a heart issue. It's an ear and a heart issue. You believe the lie, and your heart is dull. You believe the lie that this will make you happy, that this will satisfy you, and our heart is so dull that we actually believe it. It's not true. We have to stop believing the lies. Take every thought captive. We have to renew our minds with this, with the word of God, as it washes over me, as it changes the way I think, as it changes my desires, as I fast and I read this word, everything just kind of changes and shifts off its axis. And, and it's that focus on Jesus and not on all that stuff. Every thought captive, 2 Corinthians 10.5, says this, we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What does that mean? A thought comes in, because here's the deal. Here's the deal. You can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from nesting in your hair. I don't know who said it, so I say it. <laughs> say it one more time. You can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you sure as heck can keep it from nesting in your head. What does that mean? I can't help when a beautiful girl walks by or a handsome guy walks by, whatever it is, or a beautiful house that you drive by. I can't control that. But what I can control is not allowing it to nest in my soul. Taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, casting down every imagination, every vain imagination one translation said, nope, I'm not going to think about that. No. In the name of Jesus, I'm not going to receive that. No. In the name of Jesus, I am not going to walk in that. That's what it means. Renew the mind. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is the good and pleasing and perfect will. As I read his word, as we took that time to fast and, and we fasted for a week and I read his word and I've got the, the scriptures you can read during the week and, and it just renewed my mind. There was just a renewing. There was just a peace. Something, something happens when you take the time to seek God and renew your mind and go after the things of God. He does the work. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. I love this. Uh, a friend of mine, um, I was talking to him, a, a guy that I've led to the Lord, and I've walked through crazy marriage stuff and walked through his battles with lust and his battles with uh, just affair, all, all kinds of craziness. And I was asking because he's doing well now, and he's serving God, and he loves one woman, and he's faithful. And I said, what would you say? He said, when you're being fed, you don't go hunting. Now, let, let, me, uh, let me make some women uncomfortable. Is that all right, men? Can I make the women uncomfortable here? <laughs> when you're being fed, you don't go hunting. This is principally true. Let me show you what that means. When you have intimacy with your husband and you have sex with your husband, he doesn't go hunting. Oh, I got quiet again, ladies. <laughs> I haven't beaten the hell out of man. Now I'm going to you women. Don't sit here and tell me about your husband has an issue and he's looking at porn when you haven't slept with him for four months. <laughs> Thank God I came from the front row. <laughs> this is married couples. Don't tell me about your marital issues and, and you're like, ah, I Here's the other thing. That, that's one principle. And when you're being fed, 
You don't go hunting. When I'm fed on this word, when I read this word, when I eat this word, when I, desi- when I desire this word, when I put it in my heart and renew my mind, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm being fed by this, the word of God, it's, it's a trip. You don't go hunting. You go after the truth of his word. And you know what you start to do? You start to cherish someone a little differently. The one that God called you into covenant with. You know, how can I hurt her doing that? How would I? I, I gosh. <sighs> okay, now what? Let me give you a couple things. Heal your heart then guard your heart. It's a wellspring of life, we said. Repentance. You're dealing with this? Repent. 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 Washing. I wash with the word. I worship. Instead of listening to all that political crap, instead of listening to all that other stuff on television and TV and radio and blah, 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 put in some worship music and let your soul be renewed by the worship and worshiping the one who created you. Don't exchange your good for his goodness. Guard your heart. Don't walk alone. Walk with other men that you can talk to that you're accountable. Walk with other women that you can, you can talk to and you're accountable to. And last but not least, let me, there's a couple of things. You know, know that there, there, there's an alarm in you. You know when the alarm goes off. You go, I should probably get out of this situation. I should probably not be in this situation. Recognize that you're vulnerable. Every one of us is vulnerable. Know that you're vulnerable. Put a plan in place to not be as vulnerable. Watch your input. What you're putting into your mind, into your, your ears, you got to control what you're putting in. Watch what you put. Here's one. Dress thoughtfully. What does that mean? You know, women, we are stimulated by sight. Dress modestly. You can still look beautiful. In fact, I think you look more beautiful when you have look classy and dressed a little modestly than otherwise. <laughs> Watch your circumstances. Think consequences. What did I say? Takes you further than you want to go, keeps you longer than you want to be there, and costs you more than you were ever willing to pay. Let me tell you, we saw the statistics. What was it, 57% divorces deal with with that because of pornography. You can't afford it. You can't afford it. Too expensive. The same guy that gave me the quota of hunting is a guy that goes, hey, look, here's the deal. You just keep me married. It's cheap for me to give 10% to the church than it is to give her 50%. So just keep me... I swear to you, I swear, he doesn't even come to church. He's like, just meet with me, counsel me, and you keep me married. It's a lot cheaper. I'm like, I'm in. Okay. <laughs> Satisfy each other in your marriage. Tell someone else. What does that mean? Don't, don't, don't go into your little hole. Find a man that you trust. Walk with him. Uh, run away. When you see, just turn and run away. <laughs> Rely on the power of God, God's spirit. Rely on his spirit. And then lastly, Let's cry out to Jesus. I was listening to, um, oh, who is it? Uh, the, the song this morning is, is in, listen to worship, and it's just, it's just, the song is very, just to say, just cry out to Jesus. If you're hurting, if, if you're struggling with something, just cry out to Jesus. And God is faithful, faithful to answer your prayers. He's faithful to answer your prayers. You know, as the musicians come up now, um, I want to pray for us. And I, I'm, uh, Dave and Andrea and Chris and, and Haley and, and uh, Melvin and Ramona, are, we're going to all come up here and pray for, for you guys if you need prayer. 
Um, let me dispel this. Just because you're coming to get prayer does not mean you're addicted to pornography. Let's just clarify. <laughs> so, so no one's like, I can't go up there. They're going to think I'm the one. <laughs> you know, that old thing. No. But let me tell you, if you are, come and pray. Come and pray. And God will deliver you. God will deliver you. I, God will deliver you. As we... Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.